The flight deck is made possible by the generous donors supporting the Museum of Flight. You can support this podcast and the Museum of Flight's other initiatives across the United States and the world by visiting museumofflight.org slash podcast. Hello and welcome to The Flight Deck, the podcast of the Museum of Flight in Seattle, Washington. I am your host, Sean Mobley. Now, museums must constantly work with one eye toward the future. And a challenge that we are already trying to overcome today is how, in the coming years, will we preserve the history being made in the new space industry right now? in an age of digital messaging and corporate intellectual property policies. I sat down with Jeff Nunn, the Museum of Flight's adjunct curator for space history, to talk about saving future history. You designed the Apollo exhibit, or developed, I should say. In my role here at the museum, I've got kind of a, a split role that actually often combines. I'm, I'm an exhibit developer, which means I do the primary research and write the labels and select the artifacts. And then I'm also uh, the curator for space history here for the museum, which also means that I help select artifacts and, and serve as a, a subject matter expert on space. When you wrote the Apollo exhibit, how do you know what we know about Apollo? That's an excellent question. Well, one of the big differences in how we do space now versus how we've done it in the past is that when NASA was the only game in town, it's a government agency, so all of their records are considered part of public records. So the government bureaucracy, with NASA working with its its prime contractors, a paper trail was generated as a sort of natural byproduct of that bureaucracy. And ideally, a lot of those records wound their way into the NASA history offices and into the National Archive. Now, certainly wasn't a, a perfect process and a lot of those records are were either uh, thrown out or lost in in the same warehouse as the Ark of the Covenant um, <laughs> but it, it was a great deal better than than some of the challenges we're facing now where with space becoming increasingly privatized and space companies launching in their own right, you know NASA is still a big part of the game but NASA is not SpaceX's only customer. they're not, ULA's only customer. Uh, those corporate archives are becoming ever more important and private corporate records do not automatically make their way through the, the, the public record trail like NASA uh, documents did. And so the big concern is that with Apollo, it was relatively easy to find the records that we needed in order to do that research. You know, that first 50 years of human spaceflight, there's still quite a bit of documentation left on it. What happens 50 years from now when we're trying to write the history of this time in space? Are we going to have those records, those same sorts of records available? So when Jeff Nunn Jr. is writing the exhibit on Blue Origin and SpaceX, they're going to want to have something to go back to, which at this point, it doesn't sound like you're sure that there will be something to come back to, or you, you're working to make sure that there is something. Yeah, that's that's really what we're trying to do is to help make sure that there is something, and and there is some concern there, and some of it has to do with the the more rapid entrepreneurial business practices that companies engage in. Some has to do with the shift in the legal environment where 
destroying documents after a, a, a certain period of time is is part of a standard legal defense so that should there be litigation against a company in the future, they can say, well, we were just following our document destruction policies and sorry, those records don't exist anymore. Um, which from an historian's standpoint is horrifying. Is horrifying. <laughs> uh, and then the, the third thing is just the technology of how we capture stuff. You know, during the, the days of Apollo, there are the, the paper trail is like there are carbon copied memos that are redlined and you get this whole list of, you know, everyone that it went to. Well, you know, how are email threads archived? How do you archive a Slack thread? The tools of business have changed so much and so much of it has gone paperless and gone digital. Well, digital is a wonderful access medium as long as it's active, but it's not a good preservation mediums. Uh, and so what happens when PDF sunsets, when all those, when YouTube goes under and then SpaceX's <laughs> YouTube uh, feed is is no longer accessible. Right, uh, you can't watch all the, yeah. the launches. Yeah, And the records, um, the records we have of the Apollo program and NASA in general, even here, we are certainly not a repository for NASA archives. And yeah. yet we have information on recipes for chili cook-offs and all sorts of stuff yeah, from, from NASA. The George Abbey collection alone is 150 boxes and it's it's a substantial peek into behind the scenes at, at nasa johnson over the years they love their chili oh yes yes <laughs> the, the chili cook-off stuff is pretty pretty amazing so. do the companies care it varies and that's the other big challenge is that as the industry has grown more diverse it it really depends on who you're talking to some of the companies are definitely concerned about it and thinking about it and being very thoughtful about capturing their their records and i would argue that some of the the larger companies they have the the luxury to do this and you you see this with uh spacex at the very least they're they're preserving some of their hardware they have uh one of their um their falcon nines uh sort of mounted as part of a rocket garden out in front of their their hawthorne factory they have their first dragon capsule suspended just outside mission control i think they even still have the wheel of cheese, which was the the mock-up <laughs> payload on their very first uh, successful orbital mission, preserved somewhere within their their factory, or at least they did as of a couple of years ago. And Blue Origin is similar; they they have now mounted their first uh, New Shepard booster in their new Florida facility. I think they also still have Charon, which was on loan to the museum for a while, which was their very first flight test vehicle from back in 2005. Is I believe they still have it uh, in their control. They haven't gotten rid of it. But I think that in part is because both Blue Origin and SpaceX are large enough at this point, they're, they're stable enough that they can give a thought to their historic legacy. Some of the smaller, more entrepreneurial companies, one of the big challenges is they just don't have the staff or the resources to even think about that and, and why should they what they're they're just trying to keep the the doors open and the lights on and so one of the the big discussions in um this to boldly preserve effort is how can we how as the historical community help the space industry and especially the smaller entrepreneurial side of things capture their history without uh, being burdensome on on what is already a, a very fast-paced, tight budgetary yeah. <laughs> cycle. I mean, even just in the last year or two, I can think of a couple of entrepreneurial space companies that you don't really hear much from anymore. And how is their story going to be told as part of this larger panorama? Yeah, and and the the as more and more space startups are funded by sort of Silicon Valley style venture capital, that's a big challenge because. With billionaire backing, you've at least 
got a little bit of stability as long as the billionaire stays interested. With venture capital, <laughs> if if you miss a round of funding, when things go south, they go south fast, and it can become kind of a death spiral for a lot of these these companies because then all of a sudden they go from being a very promising upwardly mobile startup to someone who is is struggling and on the rocks and investors you know start to shy away from from putting more money into it so what are some solutions that are coming out how do you preserve a gmail or a slack that is an excellent question and we're we're just really starting to kind of get organized on this effort one of the big things that we're trying to do with the to boldly preserve effort is we're hoping to get a toolkit online sometime very soon hopefully by this fall which companies can access to say okay these are the types of things that you should be thinking about. Even uh, even if it's a matter of just going to some of your founding employees and sitting down and recording, you know, brief oral histories, even if they're not professionally museum standard level oral histories, at least capturing those interviews with some of the founders. Uh, thinking about capturing um, your brand evolution. How is, has branding changed? Org charts, technical manuals, especially for those companies who need to test their hardware all the way to destruction because they may not have that many examples of flight hardware. You know, if they've only, if they're only able to build uh, one or two ground test articles and they need to push them all the way till they break, that makes the documentation of how those things were built all that much more important. And so, coming up with solutions to uh, to capture that. And then just being thoughtful and thinking about, okay, the thought exercise is, all right, 100 years from now, your company has succeeded. It's your centennial. What material do you want to have on hand in order to celebrate that centennial? Now, what are you doing today in order to make sure that material is still available 100 years from now? Well, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. This is an ever-present topic because we're living it right now. Oh, yeah, definitely. And and we're hoping to to really build our, our own collection of new space and to, to really continue capturing that story and sharing it with the, the public for generations to come. That's right. People who think museums are just about the past, they're quite yeah. wrong. <laughs> yep, and being an historian of the future is is definitely a an, a fascinating and, and, and interesting <laughs> challenge. <laughs> Well, Jeff, thank you so much for your time. All right. Thank you, Sean. Thank you for joining me today on The Flight Deck, the podcast of the Museum of Flight in Seattle, Washington. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you downloaded us from. And a special shout-out thank you to user D. Jalice, who left a five-star review for us on iTunes. To learn more about the work Jeff and hundreds of other historians, archivists, and everyday people are doing to archive this future history, visit the To Boldly Preserve website at toboldlypreserve.space. And I'll also include a link in this episode's show notes. Jeff is also hard at work preparing the Museum of Flight for Destination Moon, the Apollo 11 mission, a state-of-the-art traveling exhibit from the Smithsonian Institution featuring the iconic Apollo 11 Command Module Columbia and 20 one-of-a-kind artifacts, many flown on the historic mission. 
Destination Moon shows why we went to the moon, how we got there, and the impact that the moon landing had on the world. And the Museum of Flight will host Destination Moon summer of 2019. You can email the show at podcast at museumofflight.org and find more information about the show and the museum at museumofflight.org slash podcast. Until next time, this is your host, Sean, saying we'll see you out there, folks. Bye.